want them to go, and we're going to dive into the good book of Luke, Luke chapter 1. We're going to read the verses 56 right down to the end of the chapter. And next Sunday, we will uh, pause and reflect upon the first half of chapter 2, and that's the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. Today, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 57, sorry, and to the end of verse 80. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise a child, and they would have called him Zechariah, after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and, and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. In the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of him, from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. I titled this message, Wonder at His Words. Wonder at His Words. I want to begin by just stopping to remember. If you've got your Bibles, just flip back maybe a page to chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. It is there that the angel said to Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And then in verse 14, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. 
Now, if you remember the story, Zechariah had a hard time believing this because he was old, his wife was barren, and thought this is impossible. And because of his lack of faith, Gabriel says to him, you will not speak. And so his tongue is tied. He comes out of the temple. He can't speak. He makes symbols to say what has happened to him. And then we get to our text today. In the very first verses, verse 57, we're told Elizabeth gave birth that she bore a son. There's kind of a redundancy there to, 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 to show us that what God had said, he did. And then in verse 58, And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. What did the angel say to, to Zechariah? And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. So what God had said nine months earlier had come true. Whenever God says something, it will come true. God promised a boy. God promised rejoicing, and all of those things happened. But I want you to notice, secondly, um, in verse 63, and they all wondered. That's a, the, the, the crowd there. They're circumcising this little John on his eighth day, and they give him the name John. And, and it seems like, and this is kind of weird in our culture, but the circumcision was a public affair. There was many witnesses. We're told later there were at least ten witnesses, but it seemed like all of the town had showed up for this occasion. And we're told that that crowd wondered. That word wondered means amazed. They were astonished. They were, they were thrilled. They were excited. It's the same word that we find in Luke chapter 24 when Peter discovers that the tomb of Jesus was empty, just, just as he had said. So what are they wondering over? What are they marveling over? Tom helped me with this. I think it's his humor coming through, Tom Cottrell. I've been told that I need to differentiate between these guys because they're always going, which one is he talking about? But Tom Cottrell said, uh, imagine your grandmother being nine months pregnant. Put that picture in your head. That throws me off. But that's exactly what's going on here. A grandmother gives birth. No wonder they are astonished. Not only that, though, it seems that they're astonished. If you look at the context, they're astonished that they call this child John. See, the, the cultural custom of the day was that you would call your child after, your, after the father's name or at least after the grandfather's name. Quite likely, they're not going to have a second child. So why are they not calling him Zechariah? The angel had said very clearly that the, this child shall be called John, uh, Yahweh's gracious gift. And that small town, that crowd that's around there is, is totally surprised. They, they wonder. Not only has grandma given birth, but they've called the name, this child, a name just out of the blue. Seemingly. And then the, I think they are also in this wonder, 
amazement, is that a word? <laughs> amazement. Because suddenly this, not, this man who could not speak for nine months begins to speak. We're told immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. You think Luke wants us to know that he spoke? He says it three times. Immediately his mouth was open, his tongue was loose, and he spoke. Why doesn't he just simply say he blessed God? But he, that he wants us to understand that a miracle has occurred. Okay? And they wondered. And I think these events should cause us to marvel as well. We should be amazed at what God is capable of doing. We should be amazed that when God makes a promise, he keeps it. We should be amazed that God does the impossible, and he has done the impossible throughout the scriptures, and he does it again in the Gospel of Luke. But I think, as we examine this text, that these people not only marveled and wondered and were astonished at the events that took place, but they also marveled and wondered at God's word. Do you hear the difference? They, they were marveling at what God had done, but they were also marveling at what God had said. Let me help you with this. Let's take a, let's take a little peek. Let's wander through this text a little bit closer. Notice in verse um, 65, and fear came on all their neighbors as because he starts speaking, right? And all these things, these things were talked about throughout the, all the hill country of Judea, small town, and, and beyond the area around it. And the, everybody's talking about what has happened, these things. Now what's interesting is the word that Luke uses here can mean things or events, but usually is translated words or sayings. And so you have the New King James Version that simply says the, um, these sayings were talked about. So which is it? And, and I, I think the reality is that we don't have an English word that does both, and so uh, Luke wants us to understand both. The events were something to be talked about, but so was God's word. What word is he talking about? We're told in verse 64 that Zechariah immediately starts opening his mouth. His tongue is loose. He begins to speak, and he's blessing God. And, and then we go down to verse 68, and the very first word of the song that Zechariah is going to sing is blessed. I think these are the words that they're talking about. We're told in verse 67, and, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus will later tell us in John, in John chapter 14, verse 26, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does, we like to think of these extraordinary, supernatural things that the Holy Spirit does. He does those things, but one of the most important works that the Holy Spirit does is help us to understand what Jesus has said. To help us understand what the Word says. Because the Word brings life, but we need the Spirit who wrote the Word to help us to understand it, to remember it. 
And so Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, remembering everything he had learned about from the Old Testament, he begins to speak. No, he begins to prophesy. In other words, he begins to speak for God. What's interesting about this is the last time the prophet spoke was some 500 years earlier. You see, not only was Zechariah's tongue tied for nine months, but the Word of God was rare for 500 years. And now a prophet's beginning to speak again. This time his name is Zechariah. I think the people are marveling that, that God, is, God is on the move. God is speaking. Now stop for a second and think through this. Let's just kind of practically, Grandma's just given birth. Grandpa, who couldn't talk for nine months, is about just all of a sudden bursting at the seams. The last thing Grandpa, the last time he could talk, he was talking to an angel. Do you think that this guy wanted to say something? No? Yeah, I think so. I think so. He, he had talked for nine months, and his last time he could talk, he was talking to an angel. Now, I'm sure he kind of wrote some things out, but, but that just, just doesn't cut it, does it? And so finally when, you know, I think over nine months, he's probably going, why did I not believe him? Why did I not believe him? He's probably wrestling through that. Why did I sin and, and, and why, why didn't I believe him? I've been praying for this. And, and so he said this was happening and, and I didn't trust him. I'm sure that's going through his mind. And also, I think he's going through his mind. Everything the angel said to him, he's probably trying to, 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 to understand what he said in light of everything he knew in the Old Testament. And he's mauling it in his head, and he's pondering it, and he's thinking about it, and, he, and he's meditating upon these things. And the Holy Spirit's giving him insights on these things. And, and all of a sudden, he can talk. And he goes, Bruh! That, That's probably not the right word. It's a song, actually. When Lynn and I were before kids, I was in seminary and Lynn was teaching. We were down in Virginia. Her parents live up in Ohio. It's an eight-hour trip. Our fall semester was always crazy. Um, I was full-time uh, graduate student. I was uh, part-time working about 30 hours a week, and, and then on top of that, I was putting in about 10 hours for the church that we were part of. And so my life was full, and Lynn's life was crazy full. Uh, she was teaching, and then she was coaching volleyball, which usually ended right around middle of November. And so we saw each other during those, that season, but our, our, our seeing each other was very short. It was usually grab a quick bite to eat, and we'll talk about things as we're driving to work, etc. But that trip from Virginia to Ohio at Christmas time was always sweet. And we didn't have to have anything planned, we just talked. And it seemed like that eight hours was only an hour. 
because everything that was in us and we wanted to talk about and, and we just truly enjoyed being together and, and that reminds me, today's our anniversary, 29 years. God's good. <laughs> and we just enjoyed our time together and but we had so much to say and I think Zechariah had so much to say. So much to say. He says it in a song. He says it in a song, quite frankly, that's only two sentences. Sounds like Paul. The first sentence, he just simply praises God for his salvation. Isn't that amazing? He's prayed all his life for a baby, and God gives him a baby, and and his eyes aren't on that baby. His eyes are on God. That's remarkable. Really, verses, verses 60, 68 to, to the end of 75 is one sentence where he's just simply praising God for all kinds of things. Notice in verse 68, we can't, we can't flush out everything in this text, but he says he has visited us. That's the language of Exodus chapter 4 when Moses shows up to tell the people of Israel that God is about to move and, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and, they, they had, and had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worshipped. For God to visit his people, for God to respond to their prayers, for God to remember his promises is, is, is nothing short of his being gracious and merciful and kind. And Zechariah says, God, you have visited us. You've displayed your mercy and your grace to us. And then he says in verse 68, not only has he visited us, but he's redeemed his people. Literally, he has delivered his people. He has saved his people. And, and Zechariah is just marveling at this. And, and so the question I have is, how did he rescue them? How did he save them? In what way? Well, a thousand years earlier, God had made a promise to King David. And said, David, upon your throne, your throne, there will be one who will sit upon your throne and he will last forever. He will be a king forever. His kingdom will last forever. 2 Samuel chapter 7. The problem was, for the last 600 years, there was no king of Israel. And Zechariah, as he begins to speak for the first time in nine months, says, God has raised up a horn of salvation for us. He's raised up, uh, uh, speaking of power, something that's, someone that's powerful enough, a king that's powerful enough that can save us. And, and he comes from the house of, of his servant David. And this is the way he spoke through the mouth, not the mouths of the prophets of old, meaning they all spoke with one tongue. They all spoke from God. They all spoke from the same songbook, to, so to speak. And isn't this exactly what God had promised? He had remembered his covenant to David. In what way does in what way is 
God rescuing his people now? Well, Zechariah goes on. There, not only a thousand years ago, but two thousand years from that time, God had made a promise, an oath, a vow, you could say, to, to Abraham. It said, Abraham, your seed, your offspring, will be a blessing to all the nations. And that was a promise God said he was going to accomplish. Now, because of Israel's sin, because of their unbelief, there had been no king for 600 years. They had been dis- dispersed. They, 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 were, they were probably having a very difficult time to see how they were going to be a blessing to all the nations. And Zechariah is now saying that a servant, a, a king will be raised up that will save us. Of course, Zechariah is thinking of Mary's son that we talked about last week, that we will look at next week. But God is on the move. And Zechariah predicts visitation and redemption. But not only that, uh, he, he, he carries on with the second sentence. And I want you to notice this in, in verses 77 or 76 to 79. He begins to talk about the mission of his child. And, and I find this to be fascinating. His child is is um, you child you child will be called the prophet of the most high I can just see Zechariah holding this little one in his hands there's Gramps okay holding this child in his hand the one he had prayed for for years and years and years and he's having a conversation with his son It says, you, son, you're going to be the prophet of the Most High. (laughs) You're going to be the one who precedes Jesus. You're going to be the one who prepares the way for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You! And he's in amazement. But as he's doing that, again, he's, he's simply rehashing the Old Testament. He brings us back to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3 let me let me read that for you Isaiah 40 verse 3 a voice cries in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make straight in the desert a, way, a, a, a highway for our God the spirit of God helped Zechariah understand that this was now speaking of his son also, the, the one of the last words of one of the last prophets spoke back in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, I, God, send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And Zechariah begins to realize that this was speaking of his son, his child. And he's in amazement, and he's in wonder, and he's worshiping God. But, 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 but how will this child to come, this com- the coming king, how will he save his people? Israelites were under bondage. They, they had a, a Roman empire. They had been enslaved pretty much for over 500 years. Was this new king going to save them? Eventually. But look at verse 77. And you child will 
will be called the prophet of the Most High, verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. This, this John was to give knowledge of salvation to help the people understand that they were about to be saved. And then he describes at the end of verse 77, in the forgiveness of their sins. The enemy that this new king would first address was the sin of humanity. You see, Jesus is going to get after, after something far deeper, kind of get deal with the root of the problem of the Roman Empire. Notice how he concludes his praise. All of this is because of the tender mercy of our God. Zechariah goes, you know, I... I prayed for a child for years. God, in an amazing, amazing way, answered that prayer by sending Gabriel. I didn't deserve that. And then when Gabriel makes this announcement, I don't believe him. And so for nine months, he's thinking about his tongue that has been tied. He's been thinking about his unbelief. But I've also been thinking, he's been thinking about God's incredible mercy. God, you answered my prayer. I did nothing to deserve that. And despite my unbelief, you are still going to answer that prayer. The nation of Israel. Unbelief. They, they, they continually disobeyed God. They continually dis, did not believe the Scriptures. And yet... What God had promised to David and what God had promised to Abraham, he was still going to bring about because of his tender mercy. Huh. I don't deserve the food that's on my table day after day after day, let alone Jesus. I don't deserve to live in this country, let alone do I deserve Jesus. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us. There's that word again. The sunrise shall visit us. I, I think he's painting for us a picture that this the sun will come up. It, it's been silent for 500 years. Uh, my tongue has been tied for nine months. Uh, God has not spoken for 500 years because of our unbelief. But now the sun is coming up. And it's going to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. What's the result of sin? Death. What's the result of sin? Death. Why is there sickness in the world? Why is Rochelle in the hospital? Sin. Now, I'm not sure if it's directly or, or indirectly, but, but the 
reality is we all suffer. We all are in this world of darkness. We are all under the shadow of death. And yet because of God's tender mercy, he visits us and he says, guess what, there's hope. And that hope will guide our feet into the way of peace, into the way of wholeness, into the way of flourishing, into the way of the way of Jesus. thank God that God in his sovereignty and grace tied Zechariah's tongue for nine months. Because I think it was out of that that he was allowed to leave us a song. The people of Israel, the people of the hill country of Judea, I think they were marveling at the sayings of Zechariah they recognize that God had spoken. The next Sunday we're going to marvel, have, the, look, have the, the great joy and privilege of looking at the answer, the deliverer comes. But now we just pause and worship him. Let's pray. Father, oh, your mercy is, is marvelous. Thank you. It, 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 it literally jumps off the page in so many different ways, Lord. It jumps off our life in so many different ways. Lord, there's events in our lives that we, we, how can we look at it any other way but that you've been gracious? But Father, I thank you most of all for the reality and the truth of your word, that what you have said you will do, what you have said you have done, you sent us Jesus, our King, our Deliverer, our Savior from our sins. Father, I pray that this Christmas season that we would not just simply marvel at the lights and the, and the gifts and the decorations, but Father, we would be awestruck by the fact that the King of Kings has come to deliver us to save us from our sins. The God who created us, you, visited us. You redeemed us. You've shown your tender mercy for us. Lord God, I pray that Jesus would be the reason for the season. In your name we pray. Amen.